Okay, uh, hello, greetings, friends. Uh, it's Chapo. We're back again, and uh, for this week's episode, I thought we would take a uh, a brief respite from covering the elections to bring you the story of a small town. Uh, this comes courtesy of our guest, uh, journalist Matthew Hongol Telting, whose new book is called "A Libertarian Walks Into a Bear: The Utopian Plot to Liberate an American Town and Some Bears." So, uh, Matthew, th- th- this this story that you uncovered here is really it's sort of a, a tale of man versus beast versus ideology. So just to, just to start us off, could you talk a little bit about how you first came across the story of Grafton, New Hampshire, and just the free state project in general? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, thanks very much for having me on the show. Uh, so yeah, so basically I was working as a reporter uh, for my local daily newspaper, uh, Support Local Media, it's important. Uh, went to... Uh, report on this uh, just kind of like ordinary, you know, some might say boring story about a woman who was having uh, problems accessing her VA benefits. Uh, So I went to her house uh, out in this uh, rural town in New Hampshire and was talking to her and uh, uh, she had a lot of cats in her house. So we were kind of like chit-chatting about the house, uh, about the cats rather, to kind of break the ice. Uh, And she said, oh, yeah, I used to let the cats outside, but that was before the bears came. And I was like, (laughs) what's that mean? (laughs) You know, like that's, uh, I've never heard those particular words in that particular order before. Uh, uh, What do you mean before the bears came? And so she started to talk about these kind of like uh, unusual bear experiences that she had had uh, in her neighborhood in the small town of Grafton, New Hampshire. Uh, and that like immediately like piqued my interest. I thought, Oh my God, this is so nuts. Can this possibly be true? Uh, so I started kind of, uh, researching the area and asking other people about their town, uh, their bear experiences. And I realized that pretty much outside of bears, the only thing this town was known for was being the site of the free town project, which was basically a utopian social experiment uh, done by a group of libertarians who wanted to come and kind of take over a small community and turn it into their own like libertarian, no tax, no rules utopia. And so the book really came to be about how those two things are connected, uh, bears and libertarians. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll get into the how the bear problem played out in this town. <laughs> but uh, but first, I want to give a shout out to uh, Patrick Blanchfield, who did a great review of this book in the New Republic, and that's how I uh, was able to be put in touch with you. But um, so, like th- this Free State Project, like how did it come together, and what were the sort of what were the ideals that united the people who decided to move to this town, and how did their plans sort of come together to begin with this free this free town project? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's actually there's two separate kind of uh, projects. There's the Free State Project and the Free Town Project. Uh, so the Free State Project got rolling a little bit later, and it applies to the entire state of New Hampshire. Uh, but before that, uh, kind of like in early internet days, uh, you know, 2004-ish, uh, a bunch of nationally affiliated libertarians uh, d- decided that they wanted to found a community that would kind of like perfectly showcase their ideals of liberty and freedom and personal responsibility and kind of as much as possible, kick the government out and, uh, you know, uh, put any tax collectors out on their asses. Uh, and, uh, they just kind of wanted to have this showcase. And so, uh, many of them moved to this small town in New Hampshire, uh, and they, uh, basically took over the town government. They, they voted with local kind of like fiscally conservative minded people to uh, do whatever they could to cut regulations and cut taxes and, and kind of increase freedoms. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, Grafton is a very small town. It's only about a thousand people. And you said that at the, at the time of this project, there was about 800 people on the voting rolls and most of them didn't vote. So this would be just like a perfect opportunity for them to just sort of like, you know, swoop in there and start their, you know, sort of intentional political community. But uh, I want to ask, what is statism? Because this is a word that comes up a lot in, in your book, and it comes up a lot if you're fascinated by libertarian social movements and ideology. So, like, what is statism as sort of described by these these types of people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as I hear it described by those people, first of all, it's almost like a dirty, dirty word. You know, it, uh, they uh, would describe statism and statists as people who believe in a big dominating controlling government you know anyone who would kind of like advance a state agenda which in their mind is at the expense of like the individual's agenda and and right to live freely uh is a a statist or you know like a statism uh type, type policy uh so those were the the things that they were fighting against so they would kind of like you know maybe call each other statists as, as an insult. Well, yeah, you, I mean, you talk a lot about how, like, as this project uh, evolved, uh, you know, as these things normally usually do in these intentional communities, everyone turns on each other and starts, every, everyone becomes a statist at some point, and as they all sort of switch <laughs> sides or turn on each other. But uh, what is it about New Hampshire and Grafton in particular, like the state of New Hampshire, the live free or die state? What is it about there that attracts and, like, provides such fertile ground for this type of crankery? Yeah, yeah, they they didn't pick Grafton and they didn't pick New Hampshire by accident. You know, it was the result of kind of like a a careful look at every state to decide what state had the most freedom-friendly laws. Uh, And one of the big appeals uh, in New Hampshire to them was the lack of a state sales tax and state income tax. That's Uh, also where you get the cheap liquor, right? It's where you get the cheap liquor, yes. Uh, which was perfect for them. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's got a lot of kind of like hands-off predilections already, right? And so they said, all right, New Hampshire is a place where 
there's already kind of like this sense of th- th- this like small government uh, culture is already pretty strong. So if we go there, we have a kind of our best chance of pushing it to a greater extreme. Um, and they chose Grafton because Grafton, like a small number of towns in New Hampshire, has no zoning ordinances uh, that could be used to regulate, you know, housing to make sure that it is habitable and free from fire uh, hazards and that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, it, it's just uh, kind of like a perfect storm of opportunity for them to come in and with a relatively small number of people affect this experiment. You know, with, with, with libertarians like this, it's like they get, they get you in the door with the, you know, no one regulations, you know, low taxes, minimal state, you know, keep the busy bodies out of my life, which is, you know, uh, is, is, a, is a political inclination that finds a home on both the right and left and not unjustly so. But once you go a little bit deeper, you know, the, the, the libertarian project and what individual liberty means to these people takes on a slightly different cast. In, a, in Blanchfield's a review of your book, he talks about one of, the, one of the characters that you profile is a guy named Larry Pendarvis. And uh, just a little little Googling, uh, he says, revealed what freedom entailed for some of these new columnists. According to Pendarvis, he had written of his intention to create a space honoring the freedom to traffic organs, the right to hold Mm. duels, and the underappreciated right to organize so-called bum fights. He also (laughs) bemoaned the persecution of the victimless crime that is consensual cannibalism. Logic is a strange thing uh, you observe in the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, um, you know, libertarianism is kind of an extreme philosophy in that it takes one cherished American ideal of personal freedom and liberty. And it says, like, that is like the only thing, like, it, it shouldn't necessarily have to be counterbalanced by these ideas of, like, uh, social responsibility and, and civic mindedness and all of that. Yeah, so it's already kind of like fetishizing this one value, even though, you know, that's a good value. You know, I think we all want some some freedom in our lives, right, to, to live our lives. Uh, but so you already have this extreme value. And then what the Freetown Project did was it kind of concentrated a bunch of people who weren't tied down to like nine to five lives, you know. Uh, so these were kind of like some of the extremists within a fairly extreme movement uh, who were able to just kind of like pick up roots and move to a random small rural town in New Hampshire. And so that is why folks like Pendarvis, uh, who uh, by all accounts was a detestable human being, uh, were able to kind of come in and start advocating, advocating for these things that you talk about, like bum fights and consensual cannibalism. Did they, did they, uh, did they start with, were, were there any duels held in this town? <laughs> not, not that I know of. Yeah. I guess uh, you could consider they, if they did, a posse. Yeah. yeah. If they did, they better not use that fucking uh, cuck ass code duello. There's no rules <laughs> in, in dueling, baby. I don't need a second. I don't need a second. There's no, no I think state were, is going to tell me. I think there were Hamilton rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a, there's a couple other characters here that are pretty good. I mean, wasn't one of these guys, uh, prior to moving to Grafton, he ran a mail-order bride company? Yeah, that, that actually was Pendarvis. Okay, that is Pendarvis. And so Pendarvis okay. was the kind of guy who, like, he would say, he would tell you that, you know, part of libertarianism is, like, pro-women rights. You know, he, he wants women to have more freedom, uh, but he would rarely get beyond that kind of narrow zone of freedom 
that would allow for like paid sex and the right to expose their breasts in public, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's where, that's where Pandarvis was really stepping up for women's rights. Well, he basically wants babies are us to sell actual babies. <laughs> <laughs> Every woman should have the, uh, the, 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 should have the right to be purchased by a, you know, tax attorney in Connecticut. <laughs> but Hey, women also then would have the right to sell their children. Everybody has the right to sell somebody. It's fine. Anyone you can if get it under wasn't your bad, power. the market wouldn't sustain it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> or if it was bad, <laughs> um, th- there's a few other guys. Like there's um, there's one guy who d- who, who um, decided to uh, to take over the Grafton Center meeting house and uh, change it into what a quote the peaceful assembly church, which was basically uh, his scheme to get tax exempt status for his like crackpot <laughs> crackpot <laughs> church uh, and where he was the the pastor of. And then there was another guy who was a uh, Described himself as an anti-capitalist, but served up as a like created a tent city that was sort of like supposed to be a survivalist compound for people with no survival skills in the in you know in in the bush or in the forest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, like the landscape was no rules. The atmosphere was no rules. This is a frontier town, and so it attracted these yeah really eccentric, outlandish personalities. And so, like, yeah, the guy who came in to buy the church. Or the the meeting house, um, it was one of these like classic New England beautiful community treasures of a church. It was probably the best building and the uh, building with the most historical significance in the entire town. And this guy was like he worked in a chemical factory in Boston, uh, basically retired, cash in his retirement plan, came up and bought this church for uh, like sixty thousand dollars. Is it for like a pittance? And yeah, then was like, okay, now I'm a pastor. Uh, and uh, this is now a church and I don't have to pay taxes on it. Good, good but, yeah, yeah. And uh, the town said, okay, just get a letter from the IRS. And he said, well, I, I don't uh, recognize uh, the IRS as a legal entity. And so therefore uh, I'm not going to write them any letters. I'm not going to uh, <laughs> dignify them with a response. I'm not going to put my name on a letter and send it to the U.S. government. Are you crazy? Um, so, like, I guess, like, so, like, like, so this is like, you know, the, 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 the town sees an influx of about 200 people inspired by this sort of Galt's Gulch style, you know, free community that's, you know, uh, so away from the busybodies and the status or whatever. But how did the 800 people that were already living in the town of Grafton, how did they sort of uh, metabolize these new uh, refugees from big status <laughs> America? Well, one thing that was kind of like in keeping with their individual liberty approach was that when they first made the decision to come in, they didn't tell anyone in Grafton except for a libertarian who lived there, a firefighter named John Babiars. And so they basically had a private conversation with Babiars. Uh, Babiars said, yeah, I would love to have you guys move here. And that's what triggered it. So the whole thing was done in kind of secret. And then Pendarvis puts up this website where he's talking about bum fights and, and, you know, the, the right to uh, deal heroin and, and all of this. And the people in town who had any kind of like sense of uh, community flipped out and they were vocally against these guys. So right from the beginning, it was kind of a shit show uh, where, you know, they had a uh, uh, big meet, you know, town meeting uh, at the town hall and, uh, there, there was like a coffin there that said R.I.P. Freetowners, and uh, there's there some really stiff resistance 
as they came in. Uh, but ultimately, when they uh, came in and started actually proposing things, you know, some of their more outlandish proposals were rejected, like declaring Graft in a U- United Nations free zone. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they found common ground with kind of like your typical, uh, you know, small government sentiment that was already pretty rich in the town. You know, like uh, people were on board with cutting the town uh, budget so deeply that it couldn't afford to, uh, you know, maintain its roads anymore or well, you know, yeah. uh, keep the streetlights on. And so, so like their, their, started, their initial yeah. attempt to, to take over the, like the, the local government was successful. And you, you know, you mentioned they did, they slashed the budgets and, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, and the tooth, coincide with this new influx of people so of course like the roads fall apart and then you like as tax revenue drops uh the population expands and you know the the roads are just a you you mentioned that domestic violence disputes proliferated and violent crime spiked and there was like people started like losing their heat all over town like it's just so they they slash all social services and taxes and then the town starts to fall apart and this is when the bears begin to enter the picture because you talk about i mean the book is it's 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 a political story too but there's also a fair bit of environmental reporting here about you know the northeastern black bear and their population and how they interact with human communities when when did the bears descend on this town and why <laughs> The thing with the bears was uh, basically bears are really smart animals, right? Like a lot of animals operate mm. like 90% instinct, 10% thought. Bears are much closer to humans on that spectrum. They have like a lot of problem solving gray matter capability. Uh, and they're also, you know, crazy, scary, powerful with, with their teeth and claws and brute strength and all of that. But like the, 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 the Northeastern black bear, though, is by by bear standards a a, a pretty uh, you know to human beings like not that dangerous or they can be incredibly dangerous they like weigh seven hundred pounds and have razor sharp claws but they mostly avoid people and they're pretty pretty chill uh, unlike you know a, a grizzly bear or something like that. wait I thought I thought black bears were the aggressive ones and brown bears were the kind ones. You're 100 percent wrong, Virgil. I, I got that backwards. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I got to go I, make a call. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I you mentioned the, the, is, the, the, yeah, like if the black bear is acting aggressive, it's because it's really hungry. Whereas if a grizzly or a brown bear is acting aggressive, it's basically just like defending turf, right? But you mentioned that the, the Grafton black bears were sort of a breed of their own. They were uh, unusually aggressive and, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, insistent on entering human homes and farms and things like that to, to get at their picnic yeah. baskets. <laughs> so what happened was uh, a few different factors combined to impact the towns in this region. One, you had a bunch of people, uh, basically like men living in armed camps out in the wilderness of Grafton. So they were living in yurts, they were living in shipping containers, they were living in tents, and each of these little encampments uh, was dealing with its food in its own way. And so they were presenting like kind of like differing levels of opportunity for bears to come eat their garbage and, and their, their waste streams. Uh, and separately from that, they weren't really... Uh, eager to follow government recommendations on how to uh, protect your food and how to discourage uh, bear bear visits. You, you mentioned one lady who, who goes by Donut Lady who just decided to start <laughs> feeding the bears on her lawn. 
and just dump, leaving that out, was... literally leaving out donuts and, and grain for them to eat. <laughs> and of course, like if one person does that, then everyone else in the neighborhood is going to have bears showing up on their lawn expecting to get fed, right? She surrendered it's... to the bears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, I, this is, I, this is what gets to the heart of your story is like when the problem of uh, individual liberty and like a, 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 a highly individualistic uh, political philosophy uh, decides to form a community and then immediately runs up against the problems of collective action, like what to do with our garbage and how to stop the bears from <laughs> rooting through our, our stuff. Absolutely right. Yeah. Like, it, it, like we don't think about it, but bear management is something that needs that collective community oriented civic action. You need, you need to not just take in your own bird feeders and secure your trash, but you need your neighbors to do the same or else the bears learn to associate houses in the area with food. And then you get bears coming in through your window and try holding your neighbor accountable for that. It's impossible. Uh, you know, all, the, the only thing that works is uh, kind of government regulation. But because New Hampshire is so uh, thrifty with its government, uh, they really underfund their wildlife department, their, their fish and game department. And so it's kind of like this self-fulfilling prophecy where uh, the people feel like they have to take the bear issues into their own hands and, you know, throw firecrackers at the bear's head and ridiculous stuff like that uh, because the government's not doing uh, a strong response. But the government can't do a strong response because the people won't fund the government to do it. And that's just like a, we, we see it in so many different sectors of society. And here I found that it was also applying to bear management. I mean, as, as, as you read more of the book, it becomes like uh, the bears become the Moby Dick for a town full of Ahabs that are <laughs> just, you know, careening <laughs> on their own personal Pequod into oblivion, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because another thing that goes with like the libertarian uh, mindset and that I think probably any uh, 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 American and mostly men can identify with is this idea of kind of like, protecting the homestead, right? You know, like I'm the, I'm the physical defender of my property and, you know, playing that hero role uh, is something that has just kind of like an innate appeal to people. And that's more so in the libertarian uh, world. And uh, so I think this, this kind of like created like a, an exciting landscape for them to be in kind of like pioneer days. I think it is. Yeah, you're right. It, it is a guy thing because no one wants to be told like, hey, you can be a hero by uh, recycling properly or securing your trash <laughs> on, on taking it out, taking the bins out on Thursday. No, they want to they want to they want to, you know, they want to shoot the bear that's coming through the door to ravage their the homestead. Absolutely. Um, but so like when did this bold experiment in human freedom begin to unravel? <laughs> it kind of was like maintaining some amount of momentum for about yeah you know, 10 to 12 to yeah probably about 10 to 12 years uh but right around 2016 this other thing that you referenced the free state project uh actually kind of inadvertently killed the freetown project uh the the free state project Basically big freedom always coming in to strangle the little guy <laughs> yeah i'm so i'm so sick of big box pedophiles <laughs> they could just they could just you lose money on every child they abduct, but it doesn't matter because they could do it in volume. Yeah, whatever happened to the ma and pa and uncle uh, pedophile shops? Those yeah, are the best right. ones. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's like the Walmart of pedophilia. My God. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So like basically like the free state project had been signing people up for like years and years with the idea that as soon as they got to a certain number of people, I think it was 16,000, then they would be triggered. What was the, the phrase that they used? And once the project was triggered, all 16,000 people were supposed to come to the state of New Hampshire and uh, affect it on a statewide level in the same way that the Freetown project was affecting the municipal level. And in 2016, the project was triggered. Uh, and so at that point, Grafton went from being like a very unique place, uh, you know, the only place where you could come and kind of like indulge in this idea of building a utopian libertarian community uh, to just being one town in a state. So it's kind of like all that energy was diffused throughout the entire state. Uh, and that caused things in Grafton to more or less fizzle out uh, as people went on to communities that had not yet been ruined by these sorts of ideals. <laughs> okay, I mean, this, this this sort of gets us to the present day, and I guess I want to, like, expand this to, like, the, the, the sort of a broader vision of American society because, you know, the, this story is, it, it's amusing, it's interesting, and, you know, these kinds of crankish libertarian ideals are sort of, are, are fascinating to me and also a little sympathetic to me. I sort of, like, I, I get it. I have some sympathy for the, the, the bum fight cranks, despite how, what terrible people they are. But I guess, like, what I'm saying is, like, how different, is like the, the sort of free town ideology of like a the, the barest state possible, no pun intended, um, and like the slashing of regulation, taxation, like a, just basically not just a post New Deal state, but like a you know a, a pre a, you know conf, uh, civil war state essentially. How about how far away is that from like let's say the governing ideology of let's say a six three right wing Supreme Court? And what are the implications <laughs> for our society as a whole? More bears? Yeah, well, it's funny because I I wrote the book pre. COVID. And I think uh, that the pandemic has really kind of brought into sharp relief the just stark dangers of asserting individual rights and freedoms uh, at, at the cost of everything else, right? And so I have come to recognize that within the current, uh, you know, Trumpist Republican Party, uh, the overriding drive among those people is not for any ideology other than freedom. You know, they, they just, uh, you know, if you hold up any kind of like traditional conservative standard, they just don't care, right? Like all the true conservatives in their party got drummed out. Uh, you know, instead what they have are people who have, who are kind of like talking about how they just want to be able to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it and fuck all the consequences. Right. And so, that is like kind of a dramatic scaling up of the same drive for freedom that I observed in Grafton. And I don't have to wonder what happens on a national level if this momentum keeps uh, uh, moving on that side, uh, because I've seen the dramatic consequences in Grafton, where you had a town that just absolutely fell apart at the seams, uh, but because of this kind of uh, uh, divisiveness getting too far uh, along in its uh, actualization of its goals. I think the the difference between a guy like Penn Darvis and a guy like, I don't know, Samuel Alito or Amy Coney Barrett is, I mean, they're both cranks, 
But Pendarvis, like, is willing to follow through, you know, he, he, he will not accept state help for anything, and, you know, or like, whereas uh, I think these people, they have no problem using the Leviathan powers of the state to achieve the goals that they want to do. But the, the end result is the same, like a, a dramatically crueler and sparser society where everyone is essentially on their own or has the same freedom to just be killed by a bear. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's true, that there is kind of more of that double standard of willingness to use and leverage government to your advantage. But I do think that it's all in service of that same goal of, of freedom and that uh, the willingness to, to use the government for them is just kind of a means to an end. You know, like uh, at the same time, they, they bleed every dollar that they can out of the budget uh, to put into their own pockets. They'll be crying about the size of government and, and how we, we need to scale back uh, dramatically. All right. My, my last question for you is this. I'm wondering if you have been, are you familiar with, uh, there have been sort of in, in light of, uh, you know, the Supreme Court thing and just the generally rotten state of our democracy, there's been sort of calls on the, the I don't know, I wouldn't say the left, but I would say sort of among liberal progressive Democrats, there's been this sort of idea there, there have been calls for like sort of upwardly mobile progressive young people to move en masse to small population states like Wyoming in an effort to flip the Senate. Uh, like, what do you what do you make of plans like this or sort of these these similar dreams to kind of reverse engineer these intentional political communities, uh, but for like broader state effect? I, I don't really see the value of that. Uh, you know, I, I feel like it, it would be it would have to happen on such a big scale that it just seems kind of wildly impractical to me. And I feel like if people are making their decisions about where they're going to live based on the idea that they're going to be able to tip a state in a certain direction, that seems a little outlandish. And I think you get some of the same kind of culture clash and conflict with outsiders that Grafton experienced. Uh, And I also, I I haven't seen the math on that sort of idea, but um, I don't understand why the growth of urban centers within those rural states wouldn't have just as good a chance of flipping the Senate as uh, kind of like dispersing to the rural areas of the state. I, uh, I just want to say I respectfully disagree with that. I thought one of the most uh, interesting lines from the review, which I assume is a, a recapitulation of something you wrote in the book, which I, I have not had a chance to read, uh, was that, hey, uh, these problems uh, seem easy to solve when you're talking on a message board, but in real life, they're actually very complicated, uh, which is why, you know, I read so many bad political opinions every day, which is why I think that everyone expressing their, their stupid political opinion on Twitter or, or Reddit or whatever the hell, uh, they should go and form their own planned community and let's just see how it works out. That's it. <laughs> you know, just put up or shut up. So I want to see vote on the best one. Well, you vote by moving there. So we'll get like we'll get like 50,000, you know, Graftons all over the country. And, okay. you know, we, we, and you could just take a tour of them. You could just like like just visit each one and be like, oh, OK, your town's on fire. You failed. You're wrong forever. You may never post about politics again. There's there's a bear eating you at this current. Change <laughs> <laughs> my mind. This sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> also, can I just say I really appreciate? Uh, obviously, the audience can't see this. I really appreciate that Matt is currently sitting in the driver's seat of his car, talking into an iPhone that's zoomed in close on his face, which is the preferred communication uh, a medium for libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Uh, but my head is actually just three times the size of everybody else's head. <laughs> it's not zoomed in at all. I don't know about that, buddy. 
All right. Well, Matthew Hongold Helting, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with us and talking about your book. Uh, it's, it is a libertarian walks into a bear. We will have uh, all the all the books information available in this episode's description. And once again, thank you to Patrick Blanchfield for his wonderful review of the book in the New Republic and for putting me in touch with you, Matthew. Stay safe and uh, keep, keep make sure your trash is safely secured indoors. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, thank you guys very much for the good work that you do in spreading the word. Uh, you, you guys have an amazing uh, show here, and I'm very glad to be asked. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, keep rocking on. Yeah, let's Absolutely. keep spreading libertarianism. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it, folks. Yeah. A bear in every garage. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do this the right way. We're gonna have an ape infestation. Let's go. <laughs> that would be great. All right, take it easy, Matt. Bye. Right, yeah, thank you, Matthew. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. That was very good. Settles it. I think we have to make our utopian plant community. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, answer. like, what's what's the worst that could happen? Like, we get overrun by some type of wild animal. Like, I mean, get, who gives a shit? We'll do better. <laughs> than, <laughs> who cares? It'll go better than Goon Island. And yeah, we go out like legends. I would be friends well, the, with the animals. The thing is, we wouldn't make the same mistake. We would not invite. We would simply not invite the bears to the community. A big thing. That yeah. was a big mistake of theirs. They fucked up. A big thing that we do is, like, we would do it the right way. They did it the wrong way. We would do it in the cool way, which is different. Um, I wouldn't fuck the bear. I wouldn't, <laughs> like, I wouldn't, like, argue with the gorilla. Me and the Gibbons <laughs> wouldn't have any issues. It would be fine. It would be I, fucking I, whatever. I would let any ape who wanted to smoke in, in our town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They no, could blast sure, cigs. Sure. Any ape who wants to blast a cig is allowed to do so yes. in my intentional community. Every animal can smoke and vape in any location in the town. That's mandatory. Yeah. No. I mean, like, what's the point of having apes if not? <laughs> like, if you're not going to have an ape smoke, like, you just you don't want to have any fun. That's As they really say, uh, an ape. Uh, without a cigarette, it's like a bear without a tiny car. Yeah, and it's like, okay, everyone, all the fucking statists and the social fascists, it's a libertarian, Maoist, and Stalinist colony, uh, they're like, oh, cigarettes are bad for apes. It's like, oh, uh, they're, uh, oh, cigarettes are bad for apes, sarcastic wonka.jpg. Oh, I didn't know that apes had the exact same biology as humans. <laughs> fucking statist cuck. So, yeah, no, there will be mandatory smoking for apes. Lar Gibbons will be able to do dabs, and uh, a Lar Gibbon will be able to own a business. Uh, this the, the 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 UN is trying is currently trying to stop Felix from importing fifty Gibbons from Malaysia to uh, to Queens. I have a connect there. He's very interested in American politics. <laughs> well, I gotta 
Uh, I got a story that uh, to kick things off in the second half of the show. Uh, th- th- this story actually dovetails very nicely with the interview we just did because it does involve uh, vicious apex predators on the loose. Uh, but but crucially in this story, they weren't actually on the loose. File this away in the Canadian Gladio department. This is uh, comes courtesy of the Ottawa Citizen uh, headline. Forged letter warning about wolves on the loose, part of Canadian forces propaganda campaign that went awry. A letter from the Nova Scotia government sent out to residents to warn about a pack of wolves on the loose in the province was forged by Canadian military personnel as part of a propaganda training mission that went off the rails. The letter told residents to be wary of wolves that had been reintroduced to the area by the provincial and federal governments and warned the animals were now roaming the Annapolis Valley. The letter, which became public, sparked concerns among residents, but was later branded as a, a fake by the Nova Scotia government who didn't know the military was behind the deception. The Training also involved using a loudspeaker to generate wolf sounds. The Canadian forces confirmed this to the newspaper. <laughs> what the? the fake letter was part of a new skills being tested by the military as it hones its expertise for launching propaganda missions at home and abroad. The letter was developed by information warfare specialists with the Halifax Rifles, a reserve unit. So... Uh, just if you're in Canada and you hear a, a wolf howling outside of your house, it may not be a wolf, but it could just be a uh, the, a mountie tricking you. Maple just Gladio, a, a, guy, a guy in a black and a red outfit, just holding a boombox over his head, like Lloyd Dobler. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's pretty sobering because why would you do that unless you were looking for uh, some sort of story to tell people to have them accept some sort of imposition of martial law. Like stay in your home, citizens. There's uh there's a wolf out there. Like literally, just any reason that you you need to to lock down. This is yeah. The, the, uh. the use of wolves is like a very like it's it's a maple flavor to the strategy of tension, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, thing is, you can't do the Aldo Moro thing to Trudeau. No one would give a shit. No one, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they would be like, "Wait, we went through all the trouble this false flag, and everyone's just like going to work at a uh, freshie. No. no one cares." Like you would have to, you would, you would have to kidnap like the premier of Quebec. It turns out they just kidnapped a random Indian man. <laughs> Well, so that, that's that's a little news from uh, up north, but I suppose uh, it does behoove us to talk about the the hottest news story in America right now, which uh, you currently um, cannot share on Twitter. I'm talking about uh, Hunter Biden being a damn pimp, confirmed 100. percent You guys he's, saw those pictures, he's a, right? He's a 10 inch player. Yeah, Dare I say 20. I like. Um, can I just say, like, I the magic is gone. Like we know that about the Trump campaign, the magic is gone. Like, Rudy got these from whoever or whatever. If, <laughs> he said it was a Delaware computer repair yeah, yeah, store like Hunter Biden go, is going to, like, Fred's computer shop. <laughs> computer. My yeah. fucking cock, he's doing that. My fucking grandfather's cock, he's doing that. But uh, Rudy gets it, and then because he realizes how bad it looks, he's like, uh, yeah, I, got, I was doing, I, I was working with Saudi Arabia or Russia or the UAE. I mean... Yeah, my friend, my friend gave it to me. He actually thought it was haunted, and there was a ghost in it. And, uh, I you know, actually, I, I won the, 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 these leaked documents in a truth-telling contest. Yeah, I found it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, okay. I found it Did in you... the back of the fucking cab. But I, can we talk about my favorite Hunter picture? Not the crack yes. pipe one, but the one where he's wearing, like, probably a $7,000 shearling denim coat, but with no shirt on underneath and sunglasses, and it's a beer. So, like, who hasn't been there? 
where yeah. you're yeah. like, all right, I kind of think I look swaggy right now, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Uh, let me just snap a few. Let me snap a few pictures just to make sure. And that's, I mean, Hunter is like, he's a bad guy. Let's be honest, right? Like he, he does Ukraine, which is, he if we're going to say, if we're gonna say <laughs> he, he's in the Ukraine business. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a joke, but it's like also true. And what's funny yeah. is like every but, but fucking political awesome. fail kid is in the Ukraine business in America. Yeah. Ukraine, Ukraine, like there, the, I always get yelled at by Ukraine people. It's like, oh, I live in a real country. And it's like, oh, really? <laughs> How come all the shittiest people from my country go over there like it's semester abroad? It's the Delaware <laughs> of uh, Europe. <laughs> it's the place where all the money is. And you just go with a big bucket and you just scoop some off the top. Do you know where, do you know where half my family came from? Where? Ukraine when it was part of Russia. <laughs> the case settled. No one, like, it's just, no one from Ukraine has accomplished anything. Oh, uh, Ukraine when it was when it was part of Russia. You mean now? Let's go. You're listening to Truth Fuck Radio. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, um, but yeah, to my original point, like Hunter is a shitty guy, but it's like, a, like I don't care, and b, he's a mm. shitty guy in a cool way, in that he knows he's a bad guy, and he's like, you don't take that picture of yourself shirtless like that. Unless you're like kind of aware, like say hello said, to the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. That's like you'll never see another fucking bad guy like me again. Crack pipe falls out of pocket. <laughs> <laughs> why should he? I, I, hey, I really why, like the. No one, why should he for, uh, apologize for being the monster he is when no one apologized for making him one? Yes, yes. I like the picture of him just smoking a cigarette in bed. That's awesome. I bet it smells. That's awesome. that's real dirtbag shit. Just, so just I want to sigs in your bed. I bet I it smells awesome there. I want I want to give a counter argument to Felix here. Uh, I too don't know uh, what Ukraine is. I'm not going to learn, so don't contact me. No, yeah, me fuck about that. We matter. don't have to learn. Not Joe Biden's going to take care of it. Obviously, Hunter Biden is doing what every other failed child of every you know a, a politician and and rich, well connected person is, which is get a fake job where you get paid a lot of money. You don't have to show up. Uh, but the difference between Hunter Biden and, you know, any one of these other crooks like uh, like Ivanka Trump or Jared Kushner or Chelsea Clinton, like all these other evil shitheads, is that Hunter Biden is does not pretend to be a a competent business genius or a a a, a someone who has achieved his position or earned his money on his own merits. Like people will defend Chelsea Clinton. I remember remember the whole thing about uh, uh you know how dare you say Chelsea is an accomplice? She's on like five corporate <laughs> boards. Like that's yeah. fake. That's all <laughs> fake shit. You dumb motherfucker. Yeah. So it's like no, I'm not going to pretend like Chelsea Clinton is a smart or talented or accomplished individual. She does. She's just you know feeding from the same fucking trough as everyone else. Uh, but with Hunter, he does not actually. He's a, he does not actually go around and say yeah I'm actually uh. I'm actually very accomplished uh, in the trains and uh, at doing Ukraine. No, he got a call from some Russian guy who said, Here's, do you want $3 million and you don't have to show up? And he said, yeah, I'll, that's great. I'm going to spend it on cocaine and yes. do the cocaine with 
my artist friends and sex workers. And that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to show up. I'm not going to like, you know, do go to a board meeting or whatever, or pretend like put on a suit like Don Jr. does and pretend that uh, play daddy, play business. Well, that's daddy. said. He can't pre- he cannot buy the fantasy that he has any of this coming or that it's for real work, that it's not just pure influence peddling. And he'll like, look, I'm too. I don't have the character to get a real job, uh, but I don't have like. The, the 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 soul deadness to pretend that this is what it isn't so yes i will take the money but i'm just going to use it to just destroy the part of my brain that knows that i'm well, a he, part of this corrupt machine he saw this the, the deal in his eyes is okay i get three million dollars and i could just spend it all on pleasure chemicals well okay yeah. that's a good deal it's a great yeah. deal yeah, that's a that's an amazing deal like don jr don jr is such an insecure fucking cretin oh that god he Awful. like he has like the Malibu Stacy set, but for pretending to be like an alpha grown man. Like yeah. he he got <laughs> yes, the he yes. got the hunting dress up set. He got the CrossFit set. He's even he's got like the businessman set. It's pathetic. Yep. It's no, absolutely. Pathetic. He's just playing dress up, and, and he wants his daddy to fucking like acknowledge him as a human being, which he has <laughs> never done. Because you know who got the, the job in the junior. White House? Who got the job in the White House? Is fucking shifty ass son-in-law because he has no respect for any of his actual children don jr has never in his life been offered drugs no it has never happened well i was gonna say the fucked up thing about don jr and eric is like obviously they do all the same drugs that uh, hunter does allegedly or at least not i don't think not as much not as it seems that way certainly there's certainly i I would i would hazard a guess that they're no stranger to uh stimulant powder but here's the thing. They, they still, like, they, 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 you know, allegedly tooting up rails, uh, they still need to fucking kill an elephant to feel like God. You know, yeah. isn't, aren't the yeah. drugs good enough for you? I mean, can't you just, like, have fucking, you know, ridiculous sex and just stay zooted up in a hotel room for fucking 72 hours straight? You got to kill a fucking beautiful African elephant mm-hmm. in addition to that? To commit a crime against God. Yeah. One of God's most perfect creatures. And to something that is worth more than he could ever be. Yeah. Disgusting. The thing is, both Don Jr. and Hunter Biden have said to a sex worker, uh, you know, I'm actually an artist. Yeah. The difference is yeah. Hunter Biden actually believes it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and has some art to show for it, probably. Yeah. Like, Don Jr. is going to, like, all these, all these people want to be artists and want to have something more than they actually do. But Don Jr., like, can you imagine what Don Jr. is going to make when this is all said and done? No, like, his pol- his art is now, he's a politics guy. He's an epic politics lord. He's Charlie Kirk. He does memes all the time. And that's going to lead to him running for office. Yes. And probably, like, a dumbass going straight for president without even trying to build up any record, even though he's not nearly as famous or as charismatic as his dad. Well, yeah, that's he's, he's going to do the Jerry Jr. thing of... Just being like, oh, yeah, I'm my dad, even though I don't even have Jerry Falwell Sr.'s charisma. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but uh, he's going to do some, something like expressive in between because the tra- the arts are the connecting thread of all these people because they need to express something in their soul that isn't actually there. But Don Jr. is going to make the shittiest like Thomas Kincaid drawings you've ever seen. That just goes to show you exactly how phony Don Jr.'s business career for the past 20 years has been that he has just given up on it 
in favor of memes. Yeah, yeah. It's now yes. like this. He found his calling. He's I'm a meme guy. You know, I was a yeah. big successful. Uh, I was a, a business deal boy. guy. I was uh, a big epic deal man, <laughs> but I was also somehow uh, completely miserable and empty. But now that I'm a politics meme lord, everything is good for 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 this. I sort of got dying these, second. Yeah, every time every time Don Junior laughs, he is talking a rifle out of his mouth. <laughs> Don Junior ever. You know, Don Jr. wants you to think he's like a smart business guy, but he, has he ever pointed to a specific success that he's accomplished? Well, many of the wonderful golf courses and uh, resorts that uh, he manages for his father. But his, I mean, have you seen the buffet at Mar-a-Lago? It's splendid. <laughs> it's tremendous. It has the wettest roast beef and all this. Oh, it's so wet. It's so gray. Yeah. yeah. And watch down that west wet roast beef with a delicious uh, martini that's in a beer mug and has a grape in it. <laughs> <laughs> well uh actually as long as you're talking about drugs you should probably bring up uh don jr's uh father don don senior mm-hmm. uh, the president of the united states um i don't know what drugs they're giving him but i think it like i think he may be on mdma or something did you see him dancing like an absolute idiot to macho man at oh rallies? my god that was and, amazing and uh, i would i guess threatening to go in the audience and kiss all the all the handsome men and the beautiful ladies he's he wants to kiss everyone he keeps talking about people kissing him he talked about okay first of all when he got covid he blamed it getting covid on the gold star mothers touching and kissing him and and troops and and law enforcement officers who love him so much and now that he says that he's cured of covid through you know fetal <laughs> aborted tissue or whatever uh, he says he's he's been cured of it and he's immune to it and now, it, it, knowing that a week earlier he said he got coronavirus from people kissing him, he's now going to these big rallies and saying he's going to kiss everyone. I got to kiss out of guy. I got to kiss him. He loves kissing. He has got to be on like uh, weapons grade MDMA or something, right? Because like, he, he's clearly oh, yeah. still struggling a little bit. You can hear him like like you can hear the in next his voice. day. The yeah. next day, he was clearly bottomed out. Like, oh, whatever he's on, the cycling is low. He's gravelly and he was coughing. But he was clearly just on so much stuff. And, of course, with Trump, none of it's, like, illegal or he doesn't think it is. He's one of those guys who it's all got to come through channels. It's all got to be checked. And so it's all legal. And it's just, yeah, it's like donkey sedatives and fucking <laughs> ape steroids. That's a cool type of American that we don't see a lot of anymore because it's all people that are Trump's age. Like people who are like, oh, I, like, would never do business with someone who does drugs. And that yeah. could mean, like, anything. That could mean yeah. literally anything. That could mean a guy who does mushrooms once a year. But if a doctor who looks like fucking Jeff Tiedrick gives me <laughs> like you know, gives me gives me a hallucinogen that's also a downer made from baboon spine, I'm gonna take it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. that's o- that's okay. That's okay. No. And it's like I think they're all okay, but he's definitely one of those guys. But I think he's something more important now. He is a bisexual woman with mental health issues. <laughs> <laughs> I am a bisexual woman with mental health issues. Truly, truly Donald Trump is queering the presidency, and I don't think we are ready for that conversation. For that particular conversation will have to be waylaid to a future date at which America, time America will be ready for a bisexual president. But by then we will have already had one because it's Donald Trump. He loves kissing everyone. <laughs> yes, look, he loves it. Look out for the president's official trip report posted on Arrowhead later this week. <laughs> <laughs> me and me and Stanchera, we had a thing. <laughs> he was a Libra. <laughs> Libras and Gemini, they don't go together. <laughs> the crowd's just going crazy. 
So yeah, no, I, Trump is fucking. He he's zooted out of his fucking mind right now. And, yeah, he's uh, he's on, on the fifth dimension right now. It's going we well so, for him. love to see it. We love we, we love, love it, folks. Big, it's wonderful. He, uh, he is rolling like a fucking cue ball right Absolutely. now. Absolutely, <laughs> he's just his tongue is just going back and forth <laughs> over his whole lip. I want to see. I want to see him dance with glow sticks. Out. Talk yeah. of, and how how oh. funny is it that, that he plays Macho Man and YMCA at his rallies and then dances to them like a like fucking Leatherface or something? <laughs> yeah, he's toxically masculine. Um, <laughs> here's a little poetic justice for you. What was Joe Biden? What of Joe Biden's more controversial bills from the '90s? That wasn't the, the crime rave act. Yes, the anti rave yes. act. Yes, yeah. it's he's coming back to fight the demons of his past. He's fighting. <laughs> he's fighting a raver Republican. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he he will. I, he I love. Do you to... notice how? Do, do you notice how he got self conscious? Like he said he was going to kiss all the men in the crowd two times, but the first day he said, "I'm going to kiss all the men and the women." Yeah, and then the next day he realized people were making fun of him for it, so he like still said it. But he was like, yeah. I won't enjoy the men very much, actually. <laughs> it's, not, it's not hot. It doesn't get me off. But I'll still kiss him. I'll keep, I'll keep kissing that garbage. It's like he, that's a, it's a great insight to how his brain works is he's like, well, I can't stop saying. It. No, I can't admit I was not, that I don't want to kiss the guys because I think that I might be gay. No, it's just I won't enjoy it. Everyone yeah. needs to know. I won't like it very much. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I'm dying of this disease. I eliminated like half my brain with steroids and like fucking elephant tusk freebasing. <laughs> but I like I still have to kiss the men to show that I'm strong. But I don't it's not gay for me. It's not gay for me to do it. It's actually very strong and powerful. That's like when they when the Portuguese Empire takes over America and they're like <laughs> teaching about the former empire, the former American Empire. That should be the only thing on Trump's presidency, just those two clips. I'm going to kiss all the men, and then I'm going to kiss all the men, but I won't enjoy it. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, as his brain continues to spiral out of control, uh, I think it should be noted that um, the, the machinery of the Republican Party and the conservative movement in this country is, you know, a, a hair's breadth away from completing, you know, a master stroke that they've been planning for basically since the New Deal happened, and that is having a basically a Supreme Court that is that views all legislation priests like that came after the Civil War as essentially illegitimate. And I'm talking about Amy Coney Barrett, which is the other big story this week, the confirmation hearing, something that I've studiously mostly tried to avoid talking about because it's Totally, totally futile at this yeah. point. Completely yeah. and totally futile. It's, it's, it's kabuki is, theater. Is yeah. totally assured. And, you know, you can talk about how the Democrats handled the hearing and, oh, they didn't take the bait by going after her religious face. And, oh, Sheldon Whitehouse actually did a really good job of, uh, out, you know, laying out how the Federalist Society basically buys these judgeships for, uh, on behalf of their sponsors. And it's not just a matter of dark money paying for, like, a a PR campaign to back Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, they do a lot. It's it's about filing amicus briefs to create this sense that their legal views are more popular than they actually are, and placing cases that they will be that they that, that people like Amy Coney Barrett will then preside over on behalf of the people who paid them all this money to you know be seated on the Supreme Court. You can talk about that all you want, but like the Democrats did everything perfectly except for uh, not allowing this hearing to be happen in the first place. And then fucking Diane Feinstein fucking presiding over all of it. I mean, what 
what a fucking disgrace, man. Like, and it's just like, these are the same people that are going to fucking uh, harass you into voting or fucking try to like blame you for not voting last time for getting us to this situation. And it's like, these are the people you're fucking holding up as like, th- th- these are our only hope. Well, if that's the case, then there is no fucking hope. So just get over it. Get over here. They have I mean, they have made a deliberate decision to allow Amy Barrett on the Supreme Court to uh, construct a six three conservative Supreme Court majority because none of them are doing a single procedural tactic to slap to try to slow down this uh, the Senate slow down Senate business uh, even though it's a long shot uh, to force McConnell to actually fight to put this person on the court they're just letting them do it they're you know making a lot of noise in the hearings and they're you know getting their fucking epic owns in and it's 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 all a show it's all bullshit once the committee vote happens uh which will happen one week from today one week from thursday uh that's 12 days to the election and mcconnell has to has to wrap this up before election day because he's going to lose a seat in the senate right after that he's going to lose a vote it's conceivably possible if you pull out all the stops and I'm talking do things like have the House uh, impeach bar and send that to the Senate where it's it's a privileged matter that has to be uh, 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 that takes precedence over uh, uh, every all other Senate business. Uh, things like uh, demanding quorum calls, things like objecting to unanimous consent for just every single ticky tacky thing. It's conce- it's possible. It's a long shot, but it's possible that to prevent Republicans from sewing this up before Election Day. But uh, as I understand it, their entire rationale is we uh, if we do that, if we stop her from going on the court, it's going to it's going to gin up the evangelical vote for Trump. So we just have to let it happen so that we can retake the Senate. Uh, which is it's which is a really fascinating mirror image of what McConnell's doing, which is fuck it, I don't give a shit about the Supreme about my Senate majority. I nor would rather he. have the court. Yeah, he nor knows, should he. he knows, nor he knows should why he. They sent him here. Exactly. Nor should he. They don't need the fucking Senate. They don't even need a majority of people in this country voting for them. If they have the Supreme Court and the federal judiciary, that's game set match for them. The, McConnell's whole thing has been disempowering Congress as a legislative body for years and years now because they know that they have this like fucking farm team of, of, of Federalist Society vampires stocked throughout the Supreme Court and federal judiciary that will be their what would have been their actual like rightly democratic veto power over any piece of progressive legislation that will happen from now until every, like basically we're all dead. And here's the thing though. Here's the fucked up thing though. Democrats are part of this same plan. They are complicit in this. They are active parts of this conspiracy. I mean, it's not a conspiracy as such, but basically they're also fine with having a hard right-wing Supreme Court and federal judiciary for as long as we're alive because it lets them off the hook of ever having to pass legislation that is broadly wanted by the people who vote for them. It gets the pressure off of them. They can just always say, oh, well, you know, it's impossible. How are you going to, instead of saying, oh, how are you going to get Joe Manchin to vote for it? How are you going to get the Supreme Court to vote for it? I guess we just can't do everything. And then, and then, and as they're as they're not passing legislation, I fully expect the six-three right-wing Supreme Court to begin slowly but surely. It won't happen all at once. Eroding, like they will start by taking America back to like a pre-New Deal legal framework, and then go from there to you know, you let your imagination Dred run wild Scott. from there. How about that? Hey, yeah, hey, Dred Scott. Yeah, hey, exactly. But you know, you say that, but. Joe Biden definitely has like the will and the vision and 
the activist infrastructure to pack the court, though, right? No, I mean, they, well, right. they've I already mean, said that yeah. they're not going to do that. Right, right. They're not going to do that. And, and not only that, should the Democrats, um, re, you know, uh, should, should they win and retain control of the Senate? Or no, not if they gain control of the Senate, I should say. Mm. Who are they going to make chair of the Federal Judi- uh, the Judiciary Committee? Dianne Feinstein. Well, she earned it. She displayed great manners during this hearing. <laughs> <laughs> the most important thing. Uh, she, uh, I would like to be the Democrat whose job it is to try to make Diane Feinstein memes. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. To try to make it, like, to do what they did for Pelosi with her. And it's just like, oh, did you see the shade when she she, she uh, asked Amy Coney Barrett to help tear open her sugar packet? <laughs> That's queen shit. Like I said, like, we, we've talked about this recently on the show before, but, you know, the Supreme Court has always been, like, the sort of fail-safe cudgel that Democrats use to, to browbeat, you know, uh, reticent coalitions into just getting on board and keeping keeping up appearances keep voting for them keep not don't complain don't ask for too much you you, you still need us to stop something like this from happening and if they really really wanted or they really believed what they were telling people do you think they would have let diane feinstein fucking chair this committee yeah no, the 900 year old uh dixiecrat from california <laughs> you, you could have put her at the, at the very edge of the spear there being a Californian who fought for the Confederate flag is awesome. It's like she's the daughter of racist Steve from Deadwood. He moved to California <laughs> after the horse kicked him in the head and had a daughter, and it was Diane Feinstein, and she retained some of her dad's values. I like to think that the Democrats just as a whole are so old that they still make all of their moves based on uh, trying to combat Jello Biafra and punkers. <laughs> yeah, Diane Feinstein, like, say what you will about Amy Coney Barrett, but she's going to stop the Satanists. I mean, what do you guys expect Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court? What do you, what do you, what do you expect? I mean, like, the Supreme Court is already wretched and has been a source of evil in American society for, like, a long time now. But what do you expect them to do now that, like, it's really mask off? Now that they're, they have, there's absolutely nothing stopping them. And like I said, like, this has been the dream of the conservative movement as long as I've been alive, and they've just achieved it. Amy so what Cody do you think going to do with Amy it? Amy Cody Barrett, as a tradcat, is going to fight for issues that are most important for the emerging base of the Republican Party, young tradcats. She's going to make it so that women on Bumble have to talk to them. She's <laughs> going to litigate their arguments with Italians online. She's... Uh, She's going. She's going to punish people who were born Catholic. Yeah, exactly. That's the true. That's the true cad trad Catholic. Like that. That is their. Oh real yeah, manifest. they're the worst. The that's worst. Truly, what, what the drives them Catholics. is well, punishing actual Catholics. My actual answer, though, is it's going to be. You're going to see some of the most horrifying labor law rulings that you never thought you would see. I mean, uh, I think it's all going to be gig economy related because that's going to be what most Americans are going to be working in yeah. in the next yeah. twenty years. And I think you're basically going to be able to kill an Uber driver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people are, are justifiably worried about Roe versus Wade. And I, I'm less certain about exactly how that would go. Uh, my guess, though, is that it would be they would never actually overturn it formally. There would never be a headline Roe versus Wade overturned. They would just rule in such a way that the current situation in which it is it by de facto illegal in huge chunks of the parts of the country would be furthered so that it would be technically legal. Therefore the people who most make up like the base of the pro-choice movement, affluent urban women would probably still have access to it. But 
it would be effectively illegal for everybody else. Yeah. I mean, isn't that basically the case already? Right. I mean, but, but yeah, yeah, but yeah. There's more of that. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you think that they'll try to go after Griswold, which is like, a, you know, that, that, that's been a North Star of the conservative legal movement for a while because Griswold establishes a constitutional right to privacy and, and then the implications of that being sexual conduct and contraception as well. Also, uh, how, how about uh, uh, related to fucking Facebook? Getting rid of Griswold would be very helpful for Mark Zuckerberg. I think we could have a compromise with Griswold where we keep a lot of the precedent, but there is a coalition of forward-thinking progressives who are also pragmatic and Catholics, (laughs) and we agree to get rid of condoms, finally, (laughs) finally. Well, so, I mean, it's, 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 it's unbelievably grim, and any Democrat who allowed this to happen or isn't talking right now about how to basically get rid of the Supreme Court totally forget i mean packet is like that that's that's weak tea in my opinion because i mean it'll just be packed again i mean i mean it, i mean that's preferable in my opinion if we just keep upping the number of people on the supreme court every presidential election that's that's a big danger that, that a lot of the republicans have cited and democrats is like why you can't do it and i just don't know why not who cares yeah why not yeah, who, it, who it gives, can't possibly be worse than what we have now it's who, like who in, gives well they're afraid well they're afraid as you remember uh, from the vice presidential debate uh, Mike Pence said, if you love the Supreme Court, you got to vote Republican because these Democrats are going to pack it. And Democrats actually think that's how most people in America believe, like not my Supreme Court. That's a that reminds me of a moderator on the first forum I ever posted on who said that he needed to start banning more people. So the forum had that special forum feeling. That's how Mike <laughs> Pence feels. Just the so, I mean, <laughs> if you really care about the PR, just say, yeah, we're going to we're going to pack it. We're going to double stuff it. It'll be great. Yeah. We're going to supersize <laughs> the court care about what people care about. And certainly what they should care about uh, is the outcome of these fucking yeah. uh, uh, institutions, not not their hallowed natures. Not their reified structures. Who fucking cares? You got no, and like uh, you're like you're like a medieval peasant. And and like you know the idea that the idea that oh well oh if we pack the court then the first chance they get the Republicans will just come and pack the court. It's like I'm well I'm sure they will. And then the next yeah. chance you get, you pack it again. It's like the itchy and scratchy cartoon where they keep pulling out bigger and bigger guns until yeah. they blow up the planet. And, and the reason but they if, say if that's blowing up the because... planet in this uh, metaphor is blowing up the Supreme Court, then fucking good. It's a totally well, illegitimate thing, institution. Yes. It's gotta blow up. It's yeah. gotta go away. And this idea, like, do, do you know four of the current sitting Supreme Court justices have been appointed by presidents who lost the popular vote? Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say a different thing. Uh, yes, they do celebrate Hanukkah. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I I totally agree with you there, and I don't think they should stop until the Supreme Court is literally every American. Yeah, like direct democracy, gives, baby. Who gets? Yeah, we shit? just we all vote on the outcome of their cases. How about yeah. that? That's democracy, baby. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, no, you like you. Your shittiest cousin, your stepmom, who's like bending over the counter and asking you a hypothetical, uh, your co- your cousin again, your ex uncle, all of them, Supreme Court. You all work together. You finally have a job. Let's go. You know that the the, the Supreme Court does not require the the Constitution does not require that a Supreme Court justice be a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, no. and there have yeah. been non lawyers on the court. The last, I believe, was Hugo Black. That's because they understood it's a part, another political office, part of a political a political apparatus of government. We have over the years, thanks in large part to the fucking credential monger- mongering of like liberal meritocracy, 
turned it into this learned panel of experts applying some sort of concentrated form of judicial genius on the toughest, most like solematically challenging problems of the day instead of just political actors. They're That's political exactly actors. what they are. There's a, there is a reasonable, uh, 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 every single case that comes before the Supreme Court has at its base two generally reasonable arguments that could hypothetically be acceptable in a court in some situations. Some more tenuous than others, but all with some connection to uh, to basic like legal theory. Your job is from a political position of wanting an outcome, picking the one that you like. That you don't have to think it up. You don't have to be the concentrated mind wizard. You're just picking between A and B, and you know, and when everyone knows which one you, you're supposed to pick, and you don't have like to they, care. You don't have to care about precedent either. Yeah. That's the other. No, that's the other argument not. people make is like, oh, actually, they're, they're you don't understand why they voted in this way or their reasoning. It's because they don't want their hands tied by precedent. Fucker, the conservative justices never have had their hands tied by precedent. Never. And for a second, they they they're cho- they're doing as much brain power in choosing these fucking outcomes as Eric Trump does when he picks the cover of the fucking magazine. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Supreme Court. But there's there's one more issue today that I want to talk about because I think it bears discussion, and it goes back to the the Hunter Biden story. And I mentioned at the top that uh, Twitter has made it so that you can't share the New York Post article about hunter's crack pipe and the the photos and emails and whatnot because it's it's by by their judgment hacked material it's insane it's like i mean like i think this is the first time they've actually done that on a news story and i know it's the new york post and i know they're they're a fucking sewer and i know that this information was gotten through underhanded means but i'm sorry once it's out there it's newsworthy and you can like the, the, the this unilateral censorship of this story because it I guess they're afraid it benefits Trump. I mean, if any, first of all, this story benefits Biden more than anything. Absolutely, of course. Like, yes. His his son just is a cop. He's a five star pimp. He's 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 a cocaine fuck beast. I mean, who who, <laughs> who doesn't want who who wouldn't want a son like that? But I mean, no. Like the implications of this are very disturbing. And you know, like a lot of the times, like a lot of this like free speech shadow banning stuff is is for babies and it's stupid. But consider the implications of a standard now being set where private corporations can determine that if something is hacked, um, they can, they can stop you from seeing it. Well, that covers all of the Snowden file, that old material that covers all the WikiLeaks, Panama papers, if you want to go back far enough, that covers the Pentagon papers, Pentagon papers. Pentagon papers. This is part of a broader effort by, this is where all the liberal imagination is going is thinking that disinformation or unfairly uh, obtained information is the only reason why they win elections. I read an article by Emily Bazelon, who, you know, look up her grandfather, but uh, about applying more European standards to this, like how in France they didn't publish uh, the hacked emails. The Macron leaks. The Macron leaks. Uh, I, I think it's part of this general trend by Democrats who after being told to expand their imagination, the way that they expanded their imagination was imagining an America that is Europe, but without any of the social democracy. You get all your favorite sodas and vapes banned. Uh, There's harsh, very harsh restrictions on what the media can print. There is hate speech, which we already have hate speech laws in America, by the way. There are the anti-BDS laws that you have in places like Texas. How do you think the rest of the country would uh, would adopt them uh 
they they want every shitty thing about living in Europe without any anything that would cause them to pay more taxes. Yeah, yeah, and, and these no, are I mean, all... like and, and and just like while this is going on, I mean, YouTube just announced that announced that they're banning every QAnon related account from the from the platform, which is like. I mean, I understand you can't you can't pick your, your the perfect test case for these like freedom of speech issues and like you know yes like QAnon is a cancer on our society and and, and it, you know I, the, the people promoting it are you know stupid crazy or evil but I mean consider the implications of you know anything oh it's QAnon it's a conspiracy conspiracies are, are misinforming people and perverting our democracy well I mean how 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 far a leap does it go from being well any anything that is anti-government would, is, is a conspiracy i would like to know that we don't know the provenance of these hunter biden leaks twitter is not qualified a twitter fucking mod is not qualified to determine that this is hacked materials and even if it is hacked even if the russian government hacked hunter biden and leaked all of this shit Good. It's important to know what the members of the ruling class are doing. It's important to know what goes on behind closed doors. All of this should yes. be public material. And every and honestly, I I hope I hope and pray liberals are just being cynical here, because, of course, every single one of them, you know, was happy to spread the information that was in Donald Trump's tax returns. Nobody said, oh, well, gosh, that's his private tax returns. We we shouldn't be sharing that. That would be you know, that's that's not fair play. That that's that's playing into Russia's hands. No bullshit. They're just saying it. I like to think they're just saying this now because they're like, oh, this is, we think this is embarrassing for Biden. So we're just going to make up some yeah. fucking ad hoc yeah. bullshit yeah. reasons. Exactly and then after the, and then after the election, you know, we're, we're going to drop all of the censorship shit. I yeah, hope like, that's the case and that they have not really just gone off the fucking deep end with all this disinformation, fucking, you know, uh, Russia jingoism shit. And no, they I, really I, believe from here on out. No, no, there should be no leaked materials that embarrass corporations, that embarrass politicians. If well, they I mean, really remember, believe that, then our goose is cooked. They do. I mean, it's it's both. I mean, look at the way Obama how how ruthlessly he prosecuted whistleblowers. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they they do believe this, and like the the, the idea is whether they're just being cynical to, to you know, hey, look, we, everyone's got to play dirty in election. Like you know, the, there's there's no fucking bonuses for playing by the rules. You know, if they if they bring a knife, you bring a gun, et cetera, et cetera. I understand there's a certain logic to that, but ultimately it doesn't matter because you are enabling a standard, a new standard of like corporate. A, like a, a corporate and state model of censorship whereby it will be 1000% directed at you or not you meaning like, you know, rich Democrats and fucking like politicians and shit like that, but any source of information that like people in power don't want you to know about or see, it will just be marked as a conspiracy theory or misinformation or hacked documents or just that's a no, no. And they'll just disappear it from the internet. I mean, that's, that's where we're going. I have seen, I mean, we've all, I, I mean, we're already there, but like, I mean, they'll just be even more open. Right. I have, I, I have seen Democrats turn into Bush era Republicans in every conceivable way. Oh my God. The Michigan governor. I was about to say last week, I remember this in 2006 and 2007 when their fortunes were flagging, they would, you know, get some mentally disturbed Muslim teenager, have five FBI agents ask him or her if they wanted to blow up the Brooklyn Bridge and then call a press conference saying that they saved New York again. This is they finally thought of a plot that could appeal to left liberals. Yeah. And yep. Yep. For for everyone who is saying, I told you so. For everyone who is who who wants to expand the fucking definition of terrorism, like that solves a goddamn thing, but gives the FBI more funding and more funding to eventually come down on you. 
you have the memory of a fucking goldfish. They have learned you, they, absolutely and, nothing. Yeah, absolutely yeah. nothing. And, 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 all and, these and now, and now, now, with their obsession with misinformation or hack materials, this is the same fucking thing I heard during the Iraq War. You can't publish absolutely. this. This makes us look bad. This is oh, this is manipulated. Don't put it out there. Oh, you don't want to hurt our country, right? You would never do that. And you know, like the the the, the plot to fucking kidnap the governor of Michigan is a perfect fucking Poor example shit. of this. I mean, this is like, I mean, li- go, this is our Richard Jewell episode, like played out once again in front of all of our eyes. I mean, yes, the people who are in these like wannabe militias who fucking love carrying guns and fantasizing about overthrowing the state. Again, you can't pick your perfect fucking uh, subject or victim of fucking state overreach here. I'm sure they have many odious political views, and I w- would wish to see them disempowered politically or in other ways. But the idea is that, like, I know this is their defense attorney, but in court, I mean, they have said that the most active member of this plot was an FBI informant. The guy who facilitated and tried to carry out this plot, which, by the way, at, even at the most advanced stages of planning, involved them rowing her out on a boat <laughs> into Lake Michigan and leaving her there. It yeah. was never going to happen. It was never going to fucking happen. At what point, you know, it's like, in an email, they're talking about, like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to need... Uh, an expert uh, uh, operations manager and a communications uh, and, and and tech guy. It's like to do this plan, we'll need people with actual skills and abilities. <laughs> do we know anyone like that? Yeah, that was that was amazing. It was so always sunny. It was just yeah. Do we do we know anyone? Do we know anyone who's legally allowed to drive? No. Okay, gentlemen. Yeah. Gentlemen, I put together a world class team here. First up, my uncle. Second up, a guy I met on Eight Chan. Yeah, these idiots put out like they put out like a Craigslist ad that was like, "Are you a member of SEAL Team 6? Want to come? Are you a bad enough dude to kidnap the governor? Yeah, it was never going to fucking happen. I love the people. I loved like the extremism experts who said, uh, "Oh, you know, one of their plans was to start the civil war." And it's like, yeah, they were real fucking close there. They were real also, fucking close. They were really going to do it. Thanks, man. But also, like this idea that, um, that, that like, essentially, like the, the crime here is, and like, and I, 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 I don't sympathize with these shitheads in, in any degree outside of their lives being completely destroyed by the federal government in a phony fucking like terrorism incident that they're doing as a basically a you know false flag operation um but like if the crime here is fantasizing about kidnapping and sitting governor of an american state i mean isn't like basically every american guilty of that i should I mean, hope like, so if we're yeah, not yeah i mean we're seriously fucked. in this country if you aren't if you aren't like at least idly planning to do some sort of violence to an elected <laughs> official in this fucking country at this time of guys you have no balls or I, any other like relevant uh, viscera I love those viral tweets that were like, poor people get shit on every day. And, uh, you know, I, I've the government's done this and that to me. I've never wanted I've never fantasized about killing them. It's like something's wrong with you. America, yeah. Yeah. Amer- <laughs> Americans love bragging about taking rafts of shit, just abuses and humiliations and things that no one else would accept in the industrialized world. Things that would make a Frenchman burn down a city <laughs> yeah. block and yeah. then yeah. bragging about how little they do. I saw this viral buzz that was like, I waited in line to vote for eight hours. I don't want to hear any excuses. It's like this person is mad at the <laughs> hypothetical person who can't do that more than they are at anything Having else. to Anyone fucking that do that. This. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah you, Americans are pigs. Union members in other countries are constantly kidnapping governors. 
<laughs> they got a whole room full, a whole warehouse full of them somewhere in France. Right, and this is this is not me saying that I want like that. I think everyone should do it necessarily. It's God, like no. it's that you don't think about it. you don't like you don't like when you're drifting off in bed. You don't think about just the pants hitting look of terror in one of their faces just to make you smile. Like and also, also, you know, some people would respond to this. They'd say, "Hey, you know, this is being this is very white privilege take you're having because there's and and there's a lot of minorities who like the state is so quick to to exercise violence if they see any sort of revolutionary uh, agitation from from minorities that that they, they you've that white that minorities essentially don't have the luxury of having those feelings. But I'd say if that's true, and I think it is to some extent." That's a fucking crime that that was taken from you. Yeah, you should yeah. be you should proud of it. You should be proud that you've lost revolutionary fucking ability because of the horror of the fucking state we live in. You should be like, hey, how about we rebuild it? You Instead should. of I mean, like patting yeah, yourself I, on the if, bat that if, like voting for Joe fucking Biden is enough for you in this fucking country. I will, sir, never, I will never tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you like go out and kidnap the governor to impress me. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> please please actually, don't. No, don't no, actually, do that. Officially, officially our, our position on that on the show is don't do that. Don't, yeah, don't do that. That, don't will, do that. that will not impress us. Am, we'll make I, fun I, of I, you I, if you I do that. We will think you're cringe. We will say you're cringe. I am no Jody Foster. But, Felix uh, will not play Fortnite with you if you kidnap a governor. CSGO, though? Yes, I play that. <laughs> no, no, don't no, say that. No, no, no sorry, don't say sorry, that. Sorry, no, sorry. no, okay, no. Okay, Joe, okay. parody. Okay, parody. Uh, but, like, you should at least, you know, have some jokes with your friends. Yeah. Don't do I it mean, on Twitter. You, They'll tell the feds. You're not at sir, us. You're not at us. Sir, if it, is, if it is terrorism to just in your own heart of hearts and your own personal little fantasy think how funny it would be to put Andrew Cuomo in a dunk tank over like a fucking uh, like a simmering pot of mango jewel gel then I don't I don't know what to tell you then I I am guilty I am guilty sir indict me yeah no it, that is should be part of being an american is imagining i mean is it is it Whitmer just perfect she's a perfect combination of a 90s jackbooted thug who would burn out down to a warehouse with uh you know enough children of uh david koresh in him and the new type of democrat who wants all these european style restrictions on daily life but being that she is the daughter of a health insurance executive she's not going to do anything for you she's not going to do a goddamn thing for you in the other yep. direction and that's like everyone says these these people in uh in michigan are so irrational in their hatred of Whitmer because you know she's just trying to help them with with uh uh the the lockdowns okay she's, what she's else is demon. she fucking doing she's a demon what the fuck no, else no, is she doing all she's doing she's saying this is for your own good and she's that's not, all she's not any like i agree with her on the lockdown but it's like sure. every, everything How about you do some other shit though right exactly available yeah. in this to live in that condition rather than just saying buck up the thing's like you know, saying just randomly, you can't buy seeds at the store. <laughs> like, holy shit. Like, God. <laughs> and it's like, I'm sorry, like, just like to wrap it up, like, like back to like uh, what what it was like to be uh, anti-war in this country during the Bush years and to be against the war on terrorism. And just like just from the moment the towers fell to be have been like deeply weirded out and rightfully disturbed by this like rapid just fucking rush to war that we are at war now. Like, the, 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 you know, the, with terrorism, 
you know? And like instead of, and this idea that anyone who said that, hey, maybe we should investigate this as a crime and, and sort of proceed with a you know, prosecution and sort of uh, public accounting of Learn the Learn to live the with people, it, as some people or, yeah, would say. Yeah, um, was, you know, was, was in, you know, condemned as a traitor, right? And like, you know, any liberal who got on TV and questioned George W. Bush was a terrorist sympathizer. If you suggested that terrorists were something, were, were anything other than evil criminal masterminds, that, yeah, you were complicit in their evil acts. Every time, I, every time you go on a fucking trip and you watch some drooling fucking idiot shoot x-rays through your body and then grope your son or daughter, knowing that we only have to do this because we have to have this forever war, that you were an asshole for questioning. You were a fucking asshole if you questioned it back then, like Will's talking about. How can you now, want but, more of this? But, like, it's all the same people who were getting called cheese-eating surrender monkeys and sort of making it out like a cute, snarky joke when, as soon as the Iraq war got unpopular are now just demanding that, yes, many, there are many people in this country of ill intent who are malevolent people who have hate in their hearts and have the means and motivation to do evil things to other human beings. And they should be stopped from doing so. They, they should be combated you know, by whatever means ne- necessary to combat that threat. But they are not all, te- they're not, ter- like terrorism is like, how, how about they're just criminals? How about they're just criminal sociopath assholes that can be dealt with in a way that doesn't involve demanding that like every, every, every anti-government thought or every, every bit of anger, justified or unjustified, now becomes terrorism that we have to deal with at, at the way we have dealt with terrorism in the past, which is going to war against it, shredding our Bill of Rights, and fucking like just flushing this fucking country down the toilet. Well, one of the big reasons is because uh, in, if, it's not, if it's not political, you know, if it's not about using uh, going in with like a dousing rod to where political anger is and and trying to stir it up, if that's not how uh, you know, if that's not how what you're provided by the screen of terrorism, if you have to treat it like real crime, it's much harder to fucking actually do. It's a shittier job if you're the cops. You can't just walk into a bar and be like, "Hey, does anyone feel like committing a murder?" <laughs> and like, that's the only way that you can uh, like process. Uh, you know, find out if people want to do murders. But if it's if it's terrorism, then you can just get somebody in wherever anybody is the most fanatical, the most loose in their shoes, the most maybe unhinged, and just talk them up until they come around to doing it. And like, or not even how- doing it, just saying they're going to do it, which and- just becomes as bad a crime in the human in the in the uh, public imagination as an actual murder would be. And you know, and, and you know, it, it's it's easy to sort of look the other way because the targets this time seem to be you know right wing chuds. But like, you know how often this kind of shit happens to like environmental activists, all the fucking or, time. They or, have like, decimated like anti free trade activists, or like people who protest slaughterhouses and stuff. They have decimated the lives of people in the animal rights movement for this. They have decimated the lives of environmentalists. Uh, Robert Mueller, that was a big one of his things, was going after eco terrorists. Eco terrorism. Yeah, oh, yeah, because they, 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 they burned a couple, they burned a fucking parking lot filled with SUVs with no one inside them. And that, yeah. that was, the, that was, the, that was terrorism. And it's just like, if you don't see how fucking easily this is going to get turned on the left wing or any, even progressive activism, you're out of your fucking mind. You are out of, you're digging your own grave right now. And as, uh, if I got, I'll just say this is that if, if Biden gets in there and the Democrats are in, charge and they govern the way that it gives it every impression appears to be the way they're gonna that they will uh then there's gonna be a whole lot of fucking pissed off people in this country and man it's gonna be such easy pickings to take 
all these liberals who are so horrified by the encroaching jackboot of Trump and all of a sudden decide that, hey, you know, uh, these, uh, these, you know, ec- these institutions like the FBI and fucking ICE or whatever, they're on my side. They're protecting me from the scary uh, mad uh, MAGA people who want to do a coup uh, against our, you know what, he's not great, but he's doing what he can, uh, president. Yeah, um, I, I've already seen it. During one of the first, like, idiotic Eamon Bundy things, I saw people, people who write for major publications, who have their name and their picture and everything up there, demand that a Hellfire missile incinerate all these people. Like, I think these guys are annoying shitheads, too, but Jesus Christ, you want to kill, like, 50 people. Yeah. What the hell is wrong with you? I think, we're. you know what might happen? We might finally get an end to, uh, like... Uh, the disproportionate use of police violence against black uh, people in this country, we might solve that by just applying more violence to white people and equalizing things like like the, the, the like a uh, law and order under Biden goes hard on like white people. And all of a sudden there's a proportional number of black people getting shot by the cops to their percentage of the population. Right, it, it never goes down. Yeah. Just like everyone gets it. Well, yeah. that's like that's like that thing where you say. Oh, why don't you call the Whitmer thing terrorism? It's like that's what we're doing. We, we want it. We want more things to be terrorism. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. Let's live under martial law all the fucking time. Yeah, no, I want less things to be called terrorism. I want less counterterrorism units. I want less broad powers of the government jackboots. I want them. I, I want them to have less powers against Muslims. I want them to have less power against black people. I want them to have less power against goofy fucking white people who even annoy you or me. You either believe in the. It, if you want to talk about precedent, you either believe in this or you fucking don't. You don't get to pick and choose. That's the fantasy is that somehow we're going to be able to whittle this monstrous, this beast, this awful thing called like the federal uh, 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 police uh, authority. We're going to whittle it into just using its evil. I mean, it's just a thing that does oppression. That's what it does on behalf of power. But we're going to make it direct that somehow. And, and have it only get bad people without getting rid of any of the underlying institutions that generate a machine of just fucking oppression. And all the, every force, every force that you can pick out that the jackboot has to exist for inside the country, whether it's Islamic extremism or Nazism, uh, all those forces, all those things that whether you're on the right or left, you say this needs to exist. We need to expand their definition of terrorism. We need to go after everyone. We need to suspend even the sliver of civil liberties we have left. The American empire is funding every single group you're afraid of overseas in every corner of the world. You're afraid of, you're afraid of white nationalism. You're afraid of white identity extremism. Well, Let's talk about Ukraine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever there's a use for these things, the American empire finds a use. Maybe you should be a little more worried about that if you're worried about these things on the face of them. But no one ever is. Well, I think we should, uh, we should wrap it up there. My computer's running out of batteries. I've got to go make dinner. But uh, another, another wonderful episode, gentlemen. Uh, always a joy. And uh, anything to plug or talk about? Oh, uh, yeah. So I don't know if it's going to work, and I don't know if this is going to be out in time. But uh, I'm going to try to watch both uh, the Trump and Biden town halls simultaneously. Uh, on Twitch, I'm going to just have the camera on my face while I have two screens open on my TV. If I, hopefully I can get them online and I'm just going to be watching them simultaneously. You won't be able to see them, 
but you'll be able to see me, and you can see as my, my progression over time. This will almost certainly not be out in time, but I will put that on YouTube when I can. Okay. I, I have a plug. I hope this is out in time. Um, guys, check out the election. It's happening in three weeks. It's really important. And the best part is if you're an adult and you haven't committed a felony and you're a citizen, even if you're not, you can participate. Check out the two main candidates. Their names are Donald Trump and Joe Biden. There are also other fun candidates you can vote for. Joe Jorgensen. She's sort of this cool, kooky mom character. Howie Hawkins. Pretty big forearms for an older dude. Uh, you can. This is the best part. You can even write in whoever you think would be. It's funny. true. Yeah, for fun. Do, yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to put in the troll face? You can do it. You want to put in Gangnam Style? You can do it. Are you really crazy? Are you really fucking nuts? Put in Harambe. I oh, got. Guys, yeah. Yeah, 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 guys, check that out. Check that out. All right. Uh, I got one quick one. I appeared on the debut episode of this brilliant new podcast called The K Hole, where I shared knowledge on mushrooms and other wretched creatures that should not exist. Check that out. Link in the description. Okay. Talk to you later. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. Rockin', you're making me cry Robin's got a rock And a bird's got a fly Before you make the jump And go out rockin' a night It's time I tell you A few facts of life It's time I tell you A few facts of life Cats will be cats And cats will be cool